Hey friend, get ready to listen in on some long-form conversations and authentic stories with people who have decided to turn their mess into their mission and their past into their purpose. We'll talk on topics like faith, family, and entrepreneurship. Here we go. Hey guys, it's Brittany Jones and welcome to another episode of the All My Favorite People podcast. Today with me, I have Pastor Josh Miller. How are you, Josh? I'm good. Hello. Hi, thanks for being here. I'm so excited to have you. you. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, I've been following Josh on Instagram for like a year now, and he does these awesome five-minute messages. And I don't know about you, but five minutes is sometimes all I have in my day to be able to really like focus and pay attention and just hear the word. And, you know, obviously I personally, I want to do that more. Um, But if you can't, and you just have five minutes, I love that Josh has kind of created this little platform on Instagram where you can just jump on there, hear what he has to say and the truth of the word that he has for that day. And it's just been really uplifting and awesome to follow you doing that. So I'm so glad that you're here. And um, yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about you personally and your family and we'll go from there. Well, great. Uh, Well, thanks again for having me. Uh, This is such an honor. Um, I never thought that when I started doing Instagram and these messages like this, it would ever come to something like this. So this is pretty thrilling for me. A little bit about myself. Um, I'm married. Uh, I've been married for about eight years to a wonderful, wonderful woman named Amy. Um, When we got married, she had three kids. I had two kids. And since we've been married, we've had two more kids. Uh, The youngest is seven months old. And they're out there playing right now. So nice. uh, very, very blessed family. Um, her two oldest ones have moved out. So it's starting to dwindle a little bit. That's kind of a different feeling to see kids move out. But, you know, it's time and that's okay. Um, I am a graduate of Faith Baptist Bible College here in Iowa, in Ankeny, Iowa, kind of a suburb of Des Moines. Um, graduated in 2005 uh, with a pastoral major with a Greek emphasis. Can't believe that was like 16 years ago, man. It seems like yesterday. <laughs> We're getting old. <laughs> I know, man. <laughs> That's okay. You know, my mind thinks that I'm still like 18. Maybe you totally. feel this way. My mind, I'm still like 18 or 20 years old, but my body is not 18 <laughs> or 20 years old. Totally. I mean, I try to work hard, and but man, I am not 20 years old anymore. <laughs> So, I feel you. I feel you on that. <laughs> <laughs> so, in 2005 is when I graduated. Um, I've been in pastoral ministry for most of my life since then, in a couple of different churches. Um, right now, I pastor a little church in uh, Garwin, Iowa. Boy, if you don't know anything about Iowa, you certainly don't know anything about Garwin, Iowa. It is uh, probably that big. Uh, one of those you blink and you miss it kind of towns. Okay. But I love it. It's a wonderful church. The people there are just phenomenal. They're so giving, generous. They love the Lord. Uh, they they allow me to do my thing, and God bless them. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm so happy to be a part of that church. Uh, this is starting my seventh year with them. Um, they give me the wonderful opportunity to have this kind of platform and do my thing, and they support me, and they like and share videos and stuff like that. So I'm I'm pretty blessed in the ministry there. Um, 
Currently, I'm doing going through a series on Mark. Uh, never done a gospel before in 16 years of pastoral ministry. Never been through a gospel before. I don't know. That's weird. But I uh, put a stop to that a few weeks ago when we started doing the gospel of Mark. And it's been so fun. Uh, it's just so refreshing to spend time with Jesus and the gospels like that, studying this. Uh, last week, we did uh, Jesus versus the Pharisees and been getting a lot of positive feedback from that. People like to see that kind of confrontation for some reason, but Jesus yeah. hands it to them. And that was a great one. So I really appreciate uh, being able to go through Mark. Um, I also, in addition to pastoral ministry and my lovely wife and family, I also work full-time at a grocery store. Um, so I have a full-time job that uh, today's my day off from that. You know, all God's people said, amen, days off. Um, <laughs> But the wheels keep moving. Uh, just because I'm off from there doesn't mean I'm not doing ministry. Um, I've already talked to some people from my church today. I've done my five-minute message already. So the wheels just keep spinning, man. And it's it's so much fun. Um, yeah, those five-minute messages. Yeah, let's I talk about them, that. I do every Wednesday. Uh, I try to get it done early in the morning. Uh, I was doing it in the morning in, in Iowa at like 6.30 in the morning which uh, is a nice time for me to get out and do them. It was still light outside, but now it's getting dark out. We're getting close to time change. Yeah. So now it's getting dark and cold and yay, Iowa. Iowa winters are coming and that's <laughs> wonderful. So I'm going to be wearing a coat from those. Um, so I've been on Instagram for about a year now, maybe a little more than a year and um, been doing the five minute messages, maybe a little less than that. And it's so strange how that came about because I was telling my wife, I'm like, man, I, I wish... Because I've got my sermons online and they're like half an hour, 40 minutes long. And I'm thinking to myself, who wants to listen to this old man drivel on for 40 minutes about something? I feel sorry <laughs> for these people. There's got to be something else that I can do. And I'm like, you know, people can spare like five minutes, can't they? I Certainly, I can come up with something that's like five minutes long. And one of my one of the keys that I have in life, uh, one of the gifts that God has given to me is an ability to explain scripture. I don't know how I ended up with this or why God thought that I needed that one, but okay, I'll take it. I can explain scripture to people. Yeah. And I, I'm also, uh, typically maybe not right now, but I, I have a gift of brevity. Like I can, you know, one of my problems that I had in school was writing papers. They don't want you to write some 10 page paper. I can do this in like two paragraphs, guys, let's go. You know, why are we taking 10 pages for this? Yeah. I, I'm good at brevity. Mm -hmm. I'm good at explaining scriptures. How can we marry those two ideas? Yeah, I know. Five minute message. Get in, get out. And it's this, the response to it over the last year has been phenomenal. I get told all the time by even people at my workplace that don't know the Lord will tell me that they enjoy listening to the five minute messages. Yeah. And it is so refreshing and encouraging to me when I have people that don't know the Lord telling me that they like listening to this. And it's like, Praise God that these seeds yeah. are being sown five minutes at a time with people and they're enjoying it. They're listening to it. They're faithful. And it, and it just really excites me when people tell me how much they like these messages. I mean, my, uh, my insurance salesman tells me that he listens to my sermons on from awesome. Sundays and it's like, you, I mean, you just don't know who's listening to what out there. And so you just got to go for it, man. And yeah. you just see what happens. And it's so exciting. Yes. I love that. I, that was kind of my thoughts at the beginning of this too. Like I have this, 
thing that God's placed in my heart to do and I'm just going to do it. And if nobody ever watches it or sees it, that's fine. But that's not yeah. what happens. Like, yeah, you know, God calls us to things because he wants us to plant those seeds. So it's really exciting to see that he's giving you those gifts and then also gave you this idea because I think that's the other piece of it, right? Like you could have had this idea and not been obedient and just said like, no, no, it's fine. I'll just keep my Sunday mornings. And, um, but you chose to be obedient in that calling that he gave you for these little five minute messages. And they, they have been very powerful and impactful. So what kind of, um, where did that, where did that idea come from? Did you just, I kind of want to hear the story where you're just sitting around mulling it over one day or. Yeah, actually that's absolutely what it is. (laughs) My wife and I were talking about it and I'm like, man, because so I live about 45 minutes away from my church and I don't always get to go over there and see the people as much as I want to. So I'm thinking to myself, I wonder if there's something that I can do on the internet, something online, a video that I could make that could encourage my church people. Cause that's really what it was in the beginning was just to encourage my church people. Yeah. And so I'm talking to my wife and I'm like, you know, I don't want to do something that's going to take me forever, you know, cause I've got a full-time job. You know, I, I spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours there every week. Yeah. And it's very draining. It's very physical the aforementioned conversation. I'm not 20 years old anymore. Yeah. And I still try to run that store like I'm 20 and I'm definitely not. And I'm like, man, I don't want to do something that's going to take me like 10 hours a week just to do a something. There's got to be something that I can do that's that's brief, that's impactful, insightful, encouraging, something that people can latch on to. I bet I could do a five minute message. Just five minutes is all it's got to be. People, yeah. people can do five minutes. And so I, I recorded one. I'm like, oh, man, this is awful. <laughs> Nobody's going to listen to this drivel. I mean, this is crazy. But I did it. You know, it's like, uh, let's just see what happens. And yeah. we'll, just, we'll just see what happens. So I did it. I was pretty embarrassed on that first one. And I, I'm still kind of shy with them even to this day. But you know what? I, I have more confidence now in doing them but boy that first one was rough I didn't know what I was going to do I didn't know how I was going to do this I didn't know how am I going to come up with these ideas I just was like let's just record one and see what happens so I did if I remember right I did Titus chapter two uh for the grace of God has appeared to all men showing the uh that verse from chapter two and verse 13 and I did that little those few verses just in five minutes and a pastor friend of mine that i really really respect and listen and listen to and and look up to he messaged me and he said that was really good I was in (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm doing this now yeah (laughs) Hmm. so you know maybe if you want a little behind the scenes on on how I come up with them in these days and this sort of stuff so this is a record of the sermons that I've preached over the course of time okay so what I did was I decided I'm going to pull my Galatians file and my sermon notes for Galatians when I preach through Galatians. Okay. And so then every week I do the next point in the sermon that I've preached before. So this way I know what I'm doing. I already have my notes. I've got an introduction already established. I've got points already established that I believe in and, and, and can trust. And so today's message this morning that I did was Galatians chapter two, verses one and two, which is the first point of this sermon that I preached when I did Galatians back in the day. 
Nice. Not how long ago I did Galatians. It was probably a couple of years ago. But anyway, so the next week, I'm going to pull this file out and I'll do verses three through six. Uh, we maintain unity in spite of division. So I'll do that five minute message next Wednesday. And so that's how I get them. And I'm going to go through the whole book of Galatians like that. It took me almost nine months or so to get through all of Philippians. And we just finished Philippians a few weeks ago, maybe eight or nine weeks ago, we finished Philippians. And it took like nine months to do Philippians. I'm anticipating about the same for Galatians. Galatians might be a skosh longer, but that's okay. Five minutes at a time. That's all you got to do. I'm getting kind of nervous because Galatians has some really deep theology in it later on. So I'm excited to see how I'm going to do that five minutes at a time. But I believe that God will lead me through it. And it's just something simple and easy, just five minutes at a time. That's all you got to dedicate to this. And um, actually, one of the comments that I got on Instagram this morning already is from a a new follower of mine. And one of the things that I love about when people comment on something that I've done, like a sermon or these five minute messages, is sometimes I'm I'm talking about something like the the sermon was Jesus versus the Pharisees. And I'm, I'm explaining that. Or this five-minute message this morning, and somebody will comment to me something that I didn't mention, but is still a very important truth. And, and I love seeing how the Holy Spirit is working in the hearts and lives of people as they're listening to messages. And I wasn't, I didn't really make a big deal about it this morning, but in the message this morning, the five-minute message, um, I make this distinction about how we do not major on the minors in ministry and there's a part in the message you have to listen to it where paul's talking about something and and i make this point you know do we understand exactly what he's talking about maybe not um and someday when i get to heaven i'm going to ask god to explain this one to me but is it the point to understand this little minor point? What's the most important thing we need to know, though? You know, we need to understand the gospel. We need to understand what the gospel is that we can agree on. And so we don't major on the minors. And I love when people are able to pick out stuff like that, that I didn't like really make a big deal about, but latched onto it. And it's like, you were listening. This is fantastic. Yeah. Well, the thing that I love, too, is that like I can sit and read for five minutes, but there's something about the interactive nature of it that really does bring it to life because, you know, I'm, I don't know about you, but I get easily distracted sometimes and I could even read for five minutes and get distracted within those five minutes. But I think, especially in our culture today, we're just so used to consuming media that taking that five minutes to consume media that is not only positive, but, you know, biblically centered and just encouraging in our daily walk. It, it sets the tone for the day. Um, and it really helps, I think, people engage more with the actual content and the Bible itself versus kind of that analog flat, just reading it. Um, as far as what you said about what you've talked about this morning, my majoring not, wait, say that again. How did it go? We don't major on the minors. Yes. Okay. So we were just talking about this in our small group. We we host a small group in our home and we were just talking about this within the last two weeks. So we didn't plan on this, but can we talk about that a little bit? Because that is intriguing. <laughs> we sure to me can. As well. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, do, you said you went to a Baptist seminary and, and also have some Greek uh, in there, right? Um, oh, yeah. Are you, do you pastor a Baptist church or what is the denomination of your church? 
Uh, I kind of think of myself as a recovering Baptist. Okay, um, same. Okay, yeah. A <laughs> um, lot of good things, a lot of yes. wonderful things. Yes. Great traditions, foundations, um, wonderful, wonderful stuff. Um, do I always agree with all the stuff these days? I don't know, maybe not necessarily. Uh, the church that I pastor now uh, is Carlton Brethren Church. So it's okay. a brethren church. It's uh, kind of a kissing, kind of what I think of as like a kissing cousin to a Baptist uh, church. Okay. But, uh, I mean, I'm very comfortable there. I enjoy all the stuff there. Um, doctrinally, there may be a couple of things that I don't agree with, but uh, again, I don't major on the minors, you know, exactly. the gospel, the, you know, the virgin birth, you know, this, you know, the hardcore stuff that actually matters. Yes. We're all there. Yeah. And that's what matters. Yeah. And we don't major on the minors. That's awesome. Yeah. So in our discussion in our group, we were actually talking about how the enemy can use things positive or negative to distract us. And mm -hmm. one of the things that kind of came up in that conversation was, you know, if you look at all the denominations, even that in and of itself can be a tool, unfortunately, I think of the enemy to get us focusing on those minors and not on the majors and just how, um, just being mindful that something good can even be a distraction from the enemy at times. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on just like denominational differences or like some of these smaller things that we do tend to focus on that at the end of the day doesn't save us and doesn't really matter at the end of the day, uh, you know, in regards to whether or not we, you know, go to heaven. Right. Um, you know, I was talking to a guy a few months ago, and he he brought up a new way of thinking and approaching theology. Now, I don't know how deep you typically like to go, so I'll try to keep this uh, above board here. Okay. Uh, but typically in in uh, Christendom, we we like to function in boxes. I am. Lutheran, and so you fit into the Lutheran box, or I am this, and you fit into this box, or I'm Baptist, and therefore you fit into such a box, or I'm Brethren, so I fit into such a box. Right. And we, and if you don't fit into the box, we just don't know what to do with you. So this guy is explaining a different way of approaching this, and he called it like a centristically focused approach. Where you may not fit inside of the box, but is your theology approaching something that we can all agree with? I thought that was fascinating mm -hmm. because there are a lot of really different ways of approaching a lot of different topics of theology, like eschatology specifically. Is it going to be pre-trib rapture, post-trib rapture? And oh boy, most people are already out. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't take long to get to that point in a lot of different topics of theology. Are we are we uh, uh, are we composed of two parts or three parts? You know, are we you know how does this all work? And we just really lose our minds over so much stuff. You know, what yeah. was Paul doing in this part or in this part or why does this matter? It's like you know what, there's so much of this that we really aren't going to know. I, I still have what I believe, and I believe I can know it, and I believe I can prove it and demonstrate it from the Bible. But if you believe something different, most of those things don't really matter a whole hill of beans, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. We do need to be aware 
of what does matter, though. There are things that do matter. Now, the question is, can you identify those things? Are those things that you can figure out? Can you really understand, like the gospel, for example? Are you adding works to your gospel? You know, I, I, I will have fellowship with anybody. I'll go have coffee with you. I'll have coffee with anybody. I mean, I, I'm a man of the people. Um, will I go door to door and evangelize with everybody, though? That's a different question. Uh, but will I have coffee with you? And I think people kind of differentiate those two ideas. You know, just because I can have coffee with you doesn't mean that we agree on everything theologically. Um, yeah. But there are certain things that we need to have in common to be functional as a church. Uh, the Bible says if two or three or more are, uh, uh, oh gosh, what is it? Um, can two or three walk together if they're not agreed? Hmm. We need to be able to agree on some very core things. Some of this periphery auxiliary stuff is fun to debate. It right. really truly is. Yeah. What are the core issues, though, that we really need to have a grip on, though? Mm -hmm. What is the gospel? I feel like has got to be number one. What is the gospel? This is what splintered in Galatia. This is what caused the Acts 15 council. A lot of issues come about because of this. First John is written because of this. I mean, the Bible goes on and on and over and over how important it is to have a true functioning understanding of what is the gospel. First Corinthians 15, I declare to you the gospel, right? You know, why is this over and over again? And then we go out into our different denominations and this one wants to do baptism. And this one thinks you need to be confirmed. And this one thinks you need to join. And this one thinks this. And why, why are we adding to this? Right. Agreed. Didn't, haven't you read Acts 15? Like you don't add to this thing. Yeah. You don't add circumcision. You don't add anything to this. Yeah. Can we agree on that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we can debate all day long when Jesus is going to return. You know, is it pre-trib? Is it post-trib? You know, we can debate about a lot of different things. Yeah. Whatever. What is the gospel, though? Yeah. If we can come to terms on that, I think we can win a whole lot more battles than the, the fights and the divisions we otherwise end up with. I totally agree. I definitely think that, you know, Jesus died, rose, is sitting at the right hand of our father. Like this is an, this is an important core piece that we all need to agree on. Yes. Um, things like God is the creator of the world. Um, yes. you'd be surprised. I think these days, if, especially people who hadn't grown up in church to know that like, not every church is the same and I not know, every right? church believes these core pieces even anymore. Yes. So my cautionary word, if you will, is if you're a new believer and you're looking for a church, you definitely want to make sure that it's a sound church that's teaching, opening the word every week, opening their Bibles, their in, in preference, their physical Bibles, right? And uh, yeah. I know we're all about apps and things these days, but there's something to be said about holding the living word of God in your hand. Yeah. And, you know, just be mindful that, um, like you said, we're not adding, we're not taking away, we're not revising or making it fit the culture or our opinion that the pastor specifically is um, just teaching the truth of God's word. And I personally love our church because that's the way that it is. We've been there 12 years. Yeah. And, and 
sadly, it's kind of a rare thing where yes, you, you can find a church that is just willing, to, not necessarily to be topical or, you know, the movies or this or that that's going on and having some fun, like eye catching thing that's drawing people in. There's nothing wrong with that. But there is something to be said for just opening the word, reading scripture and learning from it in that regard. What would you say to that? There are two basic approaches to uh, homiletics and sermon preparation. You can be a topical preacher or you can be an exegetical preacher. Topical preachers will, they'll just, this week we're going to talk about love. Right. Whatever. We're going to talk about giving. We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about that. And, and you walk into church on Sunday and you have no clue what this guy is going to talk about. And there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes we do need to have a, a lesson on something. Right. That's great. And as long as the word is being opened and used. Right. Correctly to upend that and harness that, whatever that topic is. Because a lot right. of times you'll see too, the topical it's like scripture is just inserted like, oh, and we need a, we need a scripture here. So yeah, exactly. God so loved yeah. the world, you know, and that's <laughs> different than opening your Bible and actually learning what the word says. So Correct. sorry, I don't want to cut you off, but continue. <laughs> no, no, you're right. You're right. One of the disadvantages, in my opinion, of a topical sermon is if you're going to talk about love, well, now you need to go into the Bible. Let's say you're going to have three points to your sermon. That's three points in a poem, right? So you're going to, you need to, now you need to find, let's say three scriptures for your three points for me to genuinely understand on a real level, why or how you could have picked those three scriptures. Guess what you're going to need to do? You're going to need to exegete those three scriptures in an effort to prove why you're using them in your conversation about love. I got a better idea. Why don't we just exegete those passages in the first place and let the cards fall where they may? A hundred percent. I agree. Why not that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because the truth of the word speaks for itself, in my opinion. Exactly. Um, And it's the thing that actually changes hearts. No topical conversation, no matter how enlightening it is, can really change someone's heart, I think, personally. That's my opinion. Well, I, I think it's good for... Uh, encouragement and uplifting. And sometimes, sometimes we do need to be taught something specific. Uh, For example, when we were going through COVID a year and a half ago, and everybody's wondering what the role of the government is. Mm -hmm. Do they really have the power to do this? Or do they really have to, what is, what does the Bible say about the government? And you wanted to say, all right, guys, we're just stopping the train right here. This Sunday, we're going to talk about what the Bible says about the government. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, that's cool. Every once in a while, you need to have a lesson on. That's you know, true. But, but you know what? If you were preaching through Romans and you got the 13, guess what you'd be doing? Right. You'd be doing that anyway. Right. But sometimes, you know, you maybe you weren't preaching through Romans at that time and you were in something else. And we do need to stop the train and say, all right, mm. let's back the boat up. We're going to go to Romans 13 this week. We're going to talk about government. We'll, t- we'll see what the Bible says about that. And we'll do our lesson on government today. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but then back to regularly scheduled programming. Next, yeah. the next Sunday. Right. So there's, it's not that there's anything super wrong with it. It can be encouraging. Can there are times where we do need to understand what's going on, but the other side of the coin is the exegetical preaching where you simply open up the text, you read the text 
and you tell people, what does this say? Mm -hmm. What does this mean? What is the culture in which it's derived? We have to understand what does it mean to the original audience, the original time, to the original context and culture, and what does all of this mean? Because until you genuinely understand those things about scripture, it's really not going to do you a whole hill of beans bit of good. Mm-hmm. Yes. Context is so important. And that's something that I've, sure. yes, that I've really understood more fully in the last, I'd say five years. Um, we have a gentleman that comes and speaks at our church often. His name is Brad Gray. I actually had him on the podcast, but his whole ministry is around context and just, oh, absolutely. just like he literally tours people in Turkey and Israel and puts boots on the ground to be able to explain to them in person what what were the people of the day what did that mean to them what did this phrase like to us this doesn't mean anything but this is what that meant to them you know in that day they would have understood that you know that's that city or that's that tree or that's that you know whatever the context was and and it is interesting how that in and of itself kind of opens another door to, to understanding just in a deeper and fuller way, what God really meant when he gave those words to Paul or to, you know, whoever. The All My Favorite People podcast is proudly sponsored by Peace Love T-shirts. Go to peacelovetshirt.com to see the entire All My Favorite People collection of shirts, hats, and bags. While you're there, check out the other collections from our collaborators like Healing and Hope, the controversy and ink happy. Go to peacelovetshirt.com and use code favorite for $5 off your first order. What would you say to like a new believer who, um, because I, I hear a lot of like seeker friendly churches as a thing too. And, and I do in a way believe in kind of a not that I, I don't think everyone necessarily needs a low entry barrier, if you will, but I do think that there is something to be said for kind of the meat and the milk. Like, I don't know if you know that analogy, but like, you know, when you're babies, you're, you give them the milk and then as you get older, you're eating the meat. So what are your thoughts on like new believers? Do you think they should get plugged into like just a Bible teaching church right away? Or do you think they need that kind of on-ramp, that zero entry on-ramp? Um, that's an excellent question. Uh, and I know this like is your things. personal opinion, but I, this is I'm absolutely, all of this is my personal <laughs> opinion. <laughs> Until we open up this book right here, this is all my opinion. Yeah. Okay. Very good. <laughs> so as you, as you think about new believers, seeker sensitive churches, uh, how do we, how do we address a new believer? Because, um, you're right. Uh, a new believer doesn't always understand a lot of the nuance that us older, more tenured believers get. Right. Um, that, in my opinion, is one of the major challenges of a preacher. Because if I was to go to, I don't know, if I was to get a new church to pastor in, I don't know, Arizona, and I walk in, it's day one, and I'm in the pulpit at 10 o'clock in the morning. Chances are pretty low that I know everybody there. I know everybody's story. I'm just brand new. It's my first Sunday. I don't, haven't had seven years with these people yet. I don't know any of them. I don't know any of their names. Like, But I got to preach. Mm-hmm. It's Sunday morning, and I'm the pastor. What am I going to say? How do I do this? This is why it's so difficult. 
I could have a new convert who just two weeks ago accepted Jesus as a savior. And on the other side, I've got grandma who's been a believer for 70 years. Right. It's the same message. Yes. Now what? This is why it's so difficult. I, I, well, I say I, give me a minute. I have to say something that's going to hit both of them. Whatever I've prepared, whatever my notes say, whatever the text is, but what I take comfort and solace in, regardless of what I say, if my prayer is good, if people are praying for me, if my witness is true, and I'm being faithful to this text, ultimately at the end, the bottom of the pile, it has nothing to do with anything I say. The Holy Spirit is more than capable of teaching that new believer from that message, just as he can teach 70 some plus year Christian grandma on the other side. It's not my job to change this message so that a new believer can understand it or that grandma can understand it. It's the same message. This is why I believe that things like Sunday school are important. Small groups are important. Individual discipleship is important. Mm-hmm. Because if I if I find out, you know, a couple weeks later that this person over here is a new convert, you better believe we're going to start a one-on-one Bible study and we're going to get into the milk of the word. Mm-hmm. And week to week, they're going to get, and I, and I tell people at work, all you have to do is just learn this much every day and you're going to mm-hmm. be just fine. Yeah. And that new convert I can spend time with. And when we get to the Sunday message, he's going to pick up more this week than he did last week. Yeah. And the next week, he's going to pick up more than you did two weeks ago. Yeah. And in Sunday school, that's not a preaching opportunity. That's a teaching opportunity. And yes, there is a difference. And that teaching opportunity is going to be able to impact this new believer in a different way. And we can separate out and have smaller class sizes on a Sunday school level so that I can have maybe a new convert class. Right. And then I can have a, you know, a senior's class, if I can say it that way. Yeah. Or if I was teaching that class, maybe I would teach it differently than if I was teaching the new believers class. Mm-hmm. You're right. On a teaching level, absolutely. On a preaching level from the pulpit, when God's word is being pronounced, the Holy Spirit, now the Holy Spirit can work in the teaching time too, absolutely. Sure. But in the preaching time of Sunday morning service, the Holy Spirit is going to have to do his magic. Yeah. Because <laughs> if it's up to me, nobody's going to walk out with anything. Well, I love that that's your answer because just so everybody knows, that's the right answer, just so you know. Um, (laughs) The Holy Spirit, right? He is the one that does the convicting and the, you know, just piercing our hearts in a way like, it's funny because my husband and I will be sitting next to each other in the exact same pew, listening to the exact same message, we'll come home and we will have both taken something completely different from that message. Yes, I love that. Yeah. And That's what I'm talking about. Yes. You can, you and him can hear the exact same message and have completely different notes and you're both correct. Yes. Yes. And it's because that's what God needed, you know, to say to him that morning. And then what did God need me to hear that morning? And that's it's right. interesting because, um, I just, I love that. I love that about the Holy spirit. I love that. Um, and I loved your point about being prayed up too, because really as the pastor, and I, and I'd love to actually hear your thoughts on what this last year has been like for you as a pastor. But, um, I know as a pastor, there's a lot of 
um, pressure maybe to please everyone and get it right and get it right 100% of the time and, you know, make sure that the new person and the person that's been there forever are all, you know, taking something away from it. But you're right. It, It really, from the preaching standpoint, it, it actually isn't up to you. (laughs) You can do your due diligence, right? Do your hard work and prepare and be in the word that week and, and lesson plan and everything. But at the end of the day, once you're up there speaking, it's the Holy spirit that is doing the convicting and doing the piercing of hearts. So he's the one that convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. Not me. Yeah. Not any of us. I'll be a, I'll be a, a worthy vessel maybe. Uh, but that's really the most I can possibly choose to be is just a worthy vessel because ultimately yeah. he's the one that's going to convict and and do the work and teach and guide mm-hmm. and shape and mold. Not me. Definitely not me. I'm not capable or qualified to do any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm just a mouthpiece at this point. Yeah. So what has the last year been like for you? Have you felt prayed up? Have you felt like you've had a a good community of people coming around you and kind of lifting you up? Because it's been, it's been a very challenging year, at least from my perspective for pastors, because I feel like everyone, well, some people want you to speak on things and other people, maybe if you did speak on them might not agree. And there's a lot of back to the, (laughs) like the majors and the minors conversation. I mean, where, what have you, what's this year been like for you? Uh, I tell you what, when, when COVID first hit, that was, that was really tricky. Um, I feel like uh, we're a lot more loose about those things now with COVID restrictions sure. and all this sort of stuff. And that's whatever. That's not the point. In the beginning, though, when COVID first broke, like March uh, 2020, mm-hmm. and we're shutting this down, we're shutting that down, shutting church down. Um, how are we going to do this? We're going to do Facebook live. Are we going to whatever? I don't know. A lot of people do YouTube. And, uh, some people do Instagram live. And uh, Do we meet for church? Do we wear masks? Do we do all this stuff? In the beginning, there were a lot of tempers. There were a lot of people, a lot of good people on both sides of that fence. Yeah. And here I am and everybody's looking at me like, what are we going to do? Yeah. Are we going to have church? We can't have church. Well, if we have church, we have to have masks. Yeah. What are you crazy? Well, if we do go, we're gonna have to do it there. And it's just like, oh mercy. Yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot. Hmm. Wow, that was rough. Yeah. And uh, you're never you're not gonna please everyone. Like, and that's no, no. and that's something that I've talked specifically with my pastor about is that because I was one of those. I'll, I'll just out myself here. I was one of those people at the beginning. It's like, I can't believe we're closing church. Why are we doing that? Right. Um, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, I understood, uh, the gravity of how difficult this is to navigate for our pastors, because this is unprecedented. We've never had to figure this out on the fly like that before. Not in our lifetime. Yeah. And so I could appreciate that they were being cautious and kind of following what they felt was the right thing to do. But I did also appreciate the fact that they could pivot when necessary to be able to um, accommodate everyone. And again, we still have people that haven't come back to church in, you know, face to face. Um, And that's okay. 
but God calls us also to community. And so with the last little bit we have here this morning, I'd love to just chat about um, the importance of community, especially these days, because people are, I think, more so finding themselves watching church online, or maybe the pandemic was something that was a big eye opener. And they realized that their faith wasn't as strong as maybe some of the fear that had been coming towards them this year. So they're finding themselves maybe reaching, you know, going to church for the first time in a long time or if ever. So how important is community, especially these days, do you think as a pastor? Community is very important. Um, There's a reason why God says, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Mm -hmm. Um, Personally, when I get to church, And I see now my church isn't the biggest church in the world, just full disclosure. Um, Good Sunday would be like 35 people. That would be fantastic. It's not always 35, though. Right. Uh, Sometimes it's like 10. Mm. Maybe people are on vacation. Uh, Maybe they didn't want to come. Maybe it's in the, you know, we're still kind of in the pandemic and they're just, you know, maybe not feeling well, you know, and sometimes it is 10. I tell you what, uh, and not just because, you know, I'm the pastor, but when I get there and there's only 10 people there, that's rough. Mm. When I see 35 people there and I, and I, and I, just, and I see that people have made a, uh, an effort, the rest of us have made this effort to show up at a certain place at a certain time for a certain reason. We've made this effort to get together because we find it's important. Yeah. And when nobody else has made that kind of effort, that's kind of uh, depressing. Can I say depressing? Yeah. But when I see, when we're at like max capacity and like 35 people have showed up and we're all there to fight together, to worship, to, to, to get into this and to learn, man, that's uplifting. Yeah. Boy, that is encouraging. And my batteries charge faster better when there's more people there. Now that doesn't mean I'm going to quit and go to some thousand person church because that'll really energize me. That's not the point. The point is for those of us that are committing to this place, how many of us are going to show up? Maybe that's 35. Maybe, maybe your church is 150 and you know, it would really suck if like 50 people out of 150 showed up. Boy, that would really bite. Um, my church is like max strength would be like 35, maybe 40. Like, boy, if we really got them out of the woodwork. And when that happens, I tell you what, I tell the people all the time, my sermons will be better when there's more people here. You know why? (laughs) Because I feel encouraged. Mm. I feel like this matters to everybody that they're going to make a concerted effort to be here, to get up, get dressed, put on some cologne or perfume and do your hair and show up. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just for you. Yes. It's for me. It's for my wife. It's for everybody else that showed up. God wants us to be together for encouragement, to uplift one another, for prayer. How am I, how do I know how to pray for you that morning if you don't show up and tell me? Yeah. Now, maybe you can text me, but I'm going to argue that's not the same thing. Yeah. That's just not the same thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I want to pray for you from the pulpit on Sunday morning because I think you're important. Yeah. But if you want me to do that, then you better be there to tell me how to pray. Yeah. Do you think I'm as important to allow you to pray for you like that? You know, show up. Yeah. You know, let's be together on this. Yeah. You know, 
we live in a sin-cursed world, and there are so many people out there that don't know God. Mm-hmm. My estimation, I believe less than 10% of this population is actually Christian, mm-hmm. like legitimately, like, yeah. like truly born again, like totally saved, like Christian worldview, you know, the whole nine. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe even less than 5%. I think it was, uh, we actually did, my pastor shared some info on that um, recently, yes. and it was like 7%. I believe it. Yeah. yeah. In, in other words, when you go to Walmart, because you want to buy some toothpaste, uh, of every hundred people that you walk by in Walmart, probably less than seven of them are actually born again believers. Mm-hmm. In other words, 93 people that you walk by in Walmart are following Satan, doing all kinds of raunchy stuff. Who knows what they're doing? Jesus tells us in John or on Mark chapter seven, all what, you know, uh, what deceit and deception and, and, and defilement actually looks like. Mm-hmm. And the first one he says is evil thoughts. Mm. I bet we're all out already. You know, <laughs> those 97 people that you walk by out of every hundred evil thoughts. And well, I don't know about you, but man, I wish there was some place that I could go every week to be recharged after dealing with these people all week. Yeah. Sure. Would be nice. Wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the other piece of that is out of those 93, you have a lot, maybe half that would say that they're a Christian or profess to know Christ, but <laughs> that's true. there's not fruit. There's no fruit there's of no that. Fruit. You yeah. know, probably, I mean, if you ask them, when did, you know, one of my favorite questions to ask people, and uh, I would love to ask you this question too. When did you come to know the Lord? And I swear, every time I ask somebody this, I get a different answer. Now I'm looking for something, as you can probably imagine. I'm looking for something. Mm-hmm. But boy, I just, just got to take a deep breath. I'll say, oh, when did you come to know the Lord? And they tell me about their baptism. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's probably how half of that other 97 is going to respond. Oh, I got confirmed when I was 12. Right. Yeah. Perfect. Yes. Now what? What's happened since you were 12? Yeah, um, <laughs> what's that got to do with anything? That doesn't answer the question. Yeah. Let's go. Well, to answer your question, um, I accepted Christ as my personal savior when I was 15 years old, but I for sure was not living it for probably, I'd say about seven years. And it was like at the age of 21, when I had my son, I was a single mom, um, that God really just radically changed my life after that, because I had nice. this little baby that I was responsible for and I had to lean on him. I literally, that was the only, you know, this isn't meant to be a pro-life conversation, but I'll tell you guys like it is, um, Do it. you know, the, the God, he, his promises are that he takes care of his children. And that was, I had to lean so hard on that. And because I had the foundation of growing up in church and, you know, always having just like a head knowledge of Christ. Um, I was able to kind of like just dive really deep back into a relationship with him at the age of 21, which was awesome. But I also like, part of me wonders like, Oh man, where would I be if I had just stuck with it those years? Or, but I mean, we all have our story and our story is what uh, leads others and brings others to to him because we're not perfect. Right. And because we get it wrong. So well, last be- before we go, um, Josh, I just wanted to ask you too, what is it like pastoring a small church? Because I actually go to a church that is considered a mega church. 
Um, we have three campuses across Orlando and our numbers generally top out over 5,000 between our campuses each week. Wow. So you're living like the opposite end Complete of the spectrum, opposite. but I can, I can, I would imagine that that, cause you would, you know, you mentioned like knowing your people by name and knowing that there's a new convert or knowing that this person, you know, their story. That seems like such a beautiful way to lead a congregation. I'm sure there's pros and cons, but um, I'd love to just hear your your take on leading a small congregation like that. Oh, it's so fun. Yeah. I, I, there are things that I can do in a small church that I'd probably never be able to do in a larger church. Like yours, for example, probably never be able to do some of the things that I do. And some of the things that I do in this small church are some of my most favorite things that I do. Um, I like to ask people, how can we, how can I pray for you as we pray for our offering? And we'll take five or 10 minutes during the service and people will say, you know, pray for my nephew. And we'll just talk about that in church. Mm -hmm. And then I, I usually have a whole list of things that people will say. And then when I pray for the offering, you know, and I do a pastoral prayer during church, I'm able to pray for these people, their needs, the stuff that they're that they're going through, that they're willing to share. Yeah. And just pray for them right then. Mm. And I love that. That's awesome. Because prayer is so valuable and so important. I mean, when I first got saved, I didn't really consider prayer like, you know, bad boy, you know. Mm. As I've gotten older, um prayer is pretty important. Yeah. Perhaps the most important thing. I mean, I suppose you could argue that. Mm-hmm. And in a larger church, you can't do that. Yeah. I mean, you're lucky to get through the songs and stuff like that. You know, you probably yeah. have, you know, praise and worship bands and the whole thing. And they're professional, I'm gonna guess, on some level. Yes. Uh, I don't have that. Mm-hmm. I mean, my piano player is a dear, 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 dear friend of mine. Oh, she's and both my grandmas passed away about six years ago. She's the closest thing I have to a grandma, aside from my wife's grandma. But, you know, like personally, I mean, like yeah. that's her grandma. Like personally, she's the closest thing that I have to a grandma. And she plays the piano for us. I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah. I don't have a large praise and worship band, you know, professional leading worship in that sort of sense. Uh, you probably can't take prayer requests on the fly like that. Yeah. Pastoral prayers are maybe scant. Hopefully you do something, but it's just not the same is it's what not. I'm saying. Yeah. It's not the same. Yeah. But I love a little church like this because I can know the people. I can take calls from, I, if everybody in the congregation called me and talked to me for 15 minutes, I could talk to everybody today. Yeah. Now that doesn't always happen because they're doing stuff and they're, they're busy too and whatever. And that's fine. Right. And I, I try really hard about once a month to text every single person in my church hmm. and just say, Hey, how's it going? Usually I get fine or good, but you know what? That's great. Yeah. No, maybe it is going wonderful and that's perfect. Yeah. But sometimes I get a thing back and it'll say, this happened to me. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You can't do that with 5,000 people. I'd, I'd still be working on the first round. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Seven years later. laughs> For sure. Well, you and can't I, do that. Yeah. I mean, we, growing up, we had, we were part of a smaller church and we'd visited other churches. And I always loved that, um, 
that kind of community feeling, that almost family feeling of a smaller church. Again, there's pros and cons, obviously, to each, but um, I love the idea of just because I'm such a huge believer in community and, um, and I know that God built us for community, right? When he made Adam, he said, it's not good for you to be alone. And he gave him Eve and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, even just, just the idea of iron sharpens iron. Like you can't do that if you're alone. And, and I think so much these days, especially people are so isolated and they're so, um, just afraid that, um, we're, we're kind of letting the community piece of it go. And I, and I think it's actually a really, really important piece. Um, especially now, I think it's actually more important now really than ever. I agree. Absolutely. We need each other. We really do. There's no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. Yeah. Yeah. And even though you, even if you aren't the type of person who, cause I see this a lot too, like, Oh, I have my own faith and I don't really need to go to church. You know, you do, you need community. Yeah, you do. And even if, so if, if that's you and maybe you're like, no, I really don't need church. Well, at least find a, that brother and sister in Christ who can spur you on and help you and be an accountability partner. But the Lord actually does want you to be invested in serving <laughs> yeah. and in community with fellow yes. believers. So, well, you're Josh, absolutely right. this has been awesome. I'm so thankful that you came on our show today and that you got to chat a little bit. Will you tell my friends and uh, our friends now where they can find you on Instagram and uh, if you're in the Iowa area where they could see you preaching um, at your church? Well, my handle on Instagram is at Refuge Pastor Josh. My church is Carlton Brethren Church in Garwin, Iowa. Uh, If you look me up on Instagram, I've got a link tree. You can find all my relevant links, uh, my podcast, um, my YouTube channel. Uh, the Facebook uh, page, um, all that stuff is on there. Um, I, I would love to get some feedback and just encourage people. And if you were, if you are somebody like that, that needs somebody to talk to, please reach out. I'd be happy to talk to anybody. Awesome. That's so great. Thanks, Josh. Well, you guys have a blessed week. I look forward to talking with you all again next week and um, I'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Please make sure to like and subscribe to this channel and hit the little notification bell so you know every time I post something new. Of course, check out Peace Love t-shirts as well. That's where you can get all of your All My Favorite People merch. And I'd love it if you also left me a review. Thanks for tuning in and I hope to see you next time. I will make your name famous from now on so people will praise you forever and ever. Psalm 4517. If you liked today's episode and want more info, check out lifejesusstyle.com and hashtag lifejesusstyle on social media.